Father, um, we stand before you in uh, in needs uh, in in need um, the needs that uh, vary for each one of us needs that uh, vary in intensity even for each one of us sometimes our needs are overwhelming um, and uh, we're reminded from <clears throat> from your scriptures that in fact, uh, uh, your your goals for us um, they they set us. We find ourselves far short of those those goals, but we're also reminded that you are um, you are with us. You're bringing us along to where you'd like us to be. And we just ask that whatever happens here this morning, that this will contribute to that. Um, Thank you for your presence here. Thank you for each one that's here this morning. And I pray you'll bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Hang on just a second. That coffee maker is making quite a... Okay. It's very distracting, and I, I'm easily distracted. Okay. Um, again, I don't kind of naturally leave time for comments and discussion at the end, and I think that's really valuable. So... Um, Again, if you just, you know, if you have a question or a comment, uh, please just just uh, raise your hand or give, uh, open your mouth, whatever. Um, let's see where we're at here on this. Uh, this is our chapter, chapter nine. Uh, I'll, in a moment, I'll show you where we're kind of where we're at in the the flow of things, flow of the book. Um, first, I want to make something of an aside here. Um, Tripp's basic thrust set my caffeine right there. His basic thrust in this, this uh, chapter is, is getting to know people by asking good questions. And he does a deep dive on this. Uh, he has a list of reasons why our relationships are stuck at the casual level, a list of why we assume too much, uh, three ways to make sure our conclusions are correct, four principles for good questions. Um, it's for me, anyway, it's it's uh, overwhelming. Uh, all these lists and the kind of the intensity of this thing, um, and I've been overwhelmed to some degree or another for the better part of this book, uh, and it just seems to get get uh, more intense um, every time I prepare a lesson. I'm begging Trip to ease up on me a bit. Give me a break, but I don't think he's listening. Trip, that is. Um, I feel like everything in me works against the calling that's that this book is making on us and on me. Uh, lack of wisdom, short-sightedness, hypocrisies, prejudices, etc., uh, seem to work against it. Uh, uh, kind of a fundamental inability at the personal level, you know. Okay. Um, so if you're you're overwhelmed to some degree or another with the calling that this book suggests for you, uh, l- let me suggest that you just pay attention for the next two or three minutes. Okay. Because this will 
be at it's a level I can I can absorb and maybe maybe work on. So um, I found <clears throat> this uh, this uh, YouTube by by um, Ed Welch, who's on the faculty of uh, CCEF, Christian Counseling Educational Foundation. They, I, I get the idea that they serve somewhat as the uh, biblical counseling arm of Westminster. I, I think they're on the same campus. I'm not sure about that. Uh, at any rate, he gives kind of a two or three minute um, video here that helps us understand some way we might be able to more meaningfully engage people in in our body. So I'd like to, uh, if my worthy assistant here will go ahead and do that. I don't know, do we need a, there we go, thanks, that'll help. Let's get real specific. How do we listen Sunday? Assuming we come a little bit early and there are people there. Assuming we stay a little bit late and, and speak with people afterwards. Well, I'll, I'll speak personally in a way somebody's done this with me recently. He came up to me. Now, somebody has to know you fairly well for this. He said, tell me the best thing in your week and tell me the worst thing in your week. And, and I did. Now, here's, here, as, you, as you would anticipate, here's what happened that I appreciated it. Nobody had ever asked me that question before. And, and around a month later, there were some things that were heavy on my heart. I think it's, there are sins and weaknesses on my own part, but I tend to enjoy hearing from other people and praying for them rather than asking for prayer. And, and I thought, who can I ask for prayer from other than my wife? And I immediately thought of this particular person. So you, you can see how, how the body of Christ gets built up and there are effects to simple listening more than we anticipate. His questions, tell me the worst thing, tell me the best thing. And, and, he, and he wasn't going to let me get up until I spoke those things. So we simply listen. Hey, how, was your, how was your week? I would, I would imagine would be the most ordinary of questions. And then as we hear how was their week, we're listening. What were the good things? What were the hard things? What were the, the things that are, are weights on their soul? What are the things that lift their soul? We want to enter in and enjoy the things that were good and be burdened by the things that were hard. Okay. So, what, what, um, what were the questions he suggested? Did you catch those? Best, bad, or how's your work? It wasn't how's, how was your week. What's the answer to how's your week? Great. What was the question? So somebody, what, what, what was this? What? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, and the kind that, that depends on... What what is that what does that um, what does that depend on when we whether we answer more honestly and openly or not? Huh? No, no. What, what trust? It's the level of trust we sense we have. And now, again, if ever any one of us said, uh, stops and thinks. For a moment about any other person in this congregation, can you trust them? Well, yeah. I mean, we, we know that. So, what is what is trust then? What's the what's the what's the what makes the difference in trust? Well, it, it's how, what I'm getting at. What I'm driving at is, uh, and this is all off the cuff. I'm sorry, just ad hoc here, but but. Um, what I'm getting at is, is any particular individual, like me with Blake, for instance, uh, I know him more, I, 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 uh, he knows me more, so they'll, they'll be, hopefully, if I'm alert enough spiritually, 
if he were to ask me, how was your week, I'd be more open and, and straightforward with him. Okay, so at any rate, so what was the two questions? I mean, I think I heard some of them, but what were the questions he asked? He suggested. Okay, what was the best thing in your week? What was the worst thing in your week? And if you listened to him, uh, you, you would have heard him kind of rephrase those two questions a little bit differently. You know, what was the hardest thing? What was the... Mm, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and then, okay, following that, what's, what, what did he suggest that you respond? you might respond. How might you respond to hearing these things? One of the things he suggested was that, you, that it, for the things that burdened them, that you would become burdened by those things, okay? Now, where does that come from in our Christian ecclesiology? Bearing each other's burdens. But also... Uh, rejoicing with those who rejoice, weeping with those who weep. Those are direct um, flavors that, of, of what goes on in the body. Okay, and we're gonna, and that, that'll be somewhat later on. At any rate, what I like about that little two-minute thing video was that it takes us back to the ordinary life of the church. Uh, we've been thinking in terms, I think, of crisis moments for, for people. Uh, and, and those things need to be dealt with, and, and we want to kind of work towards being more prepared for dealing with those things. But uh, ordinary life in the ordinary life of the church, it, it, well, it's just that. It's more ordinary, okay? And these questions kind of get at that. Um, it, 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 it's a way, uh, these two questions are kind of a way of increasing our availability to one another in areas of life that needs, uh, need God's help. Uh, you notice what happened. Nothing necessarily happened right at the moment when he was asked those questions, but two or three weeks, months later, uh, that, that person came to his mind when he was in a, a kind of a heightened state of, of need. Okay? Uh, it, it, it increases our availability to one another uh, in areas of life that need God's help, prayer, Needs our help bearing one another's burdens. Okay? Tell me the best thing in your week. Tell me the harsh thing in your week. Those are pretty simple. Okay. Now for the deep dive. Okay? Um, whoop. Where is this? Hello? Am I doing this right? Ah, okay. Okay. There we go. Okay, where we're at right now is um, we're uh, at chapter 9, getting to know people. Okay, and you'll notice when I last uh, taught chapter 6, there was a summary at the end that that showed all of these uh, remaining chapters uh, and structured it in terms of love, know, speak, do, okay? So uh, there's a couple of chapters on knowing, getting to know other people. Next week is discovering where change is needed, um, okay? Um, knowing has to do with, the, with really getting acquainted with the people, of, uh, the people God sends our way, uh, knowing the heart, their beliefs, goals, hopes and dreams, their values and desires, um, getting below the surface and helping them to know themselves more accurately. That was a pretty good summary, I thought, from uh, chapter 6. So, the aim of this chapter, 
getting to know people and helping them to know themselves as God knows them. The chapter title was Getting to Know People. And I thought by the end of the chapter, we really needed to add this rather more extended uh, and to it, helping them to know themselves as God knows them. Um, now th there's a quote about halfway through the book. When you bring uh, well-constructed, creative, biblically-shaped questions to a person's life, you are doing more than getting to know them and uncovering where change is needed. You are, in fact, ministering to, to that person. Uh, so uh, as we work our way through this, what you'll see is that he wants us to ask good questions as a means of discovering, of knowing, coming to know the other person. But he also wants us to ask questions that are, are biblically shaped and, and thoughtfully constructed so that, uh, I mean, I think you're aware of how this happens. Uh, someone will ask you a question that kind of sets you, uh, sets you back for a moment. Uh, and it's, it's a question that makes you think about where you're actually at in regards to that question, okay? And um, so we'll see, see some examples of that. He begins the chapter with a story about a couple in this church that everyone would have said they knew, everyone uh, respected, uh, and how the husband came to him and told him, of a disaster in the family, uh, kind of an unexpected from everybody else's perspective. Uh, and he uncovered a long-standing problem in their marriage, uh, arguments that were getting increasingly physical, violent between the two of them, uh, and uh, had finally blown up. Um, in a way that couldn't be, un couldn't be covered up, okay? Uh, by telling, uh, yeah, and, and Tripp said that his, his, his experience at the time was completely disorienting, like he didn't know this person that was uh, talking to him. Uh, I realized in, in that, that moment he says, the most personal and important parts of our lives fly under the radar for our typical relationships in the body. We live frenetically busy lives with activity-based friendships, okay, punctuated only by brief conversations with one another. And he wants to get get behind that. He invites us to think of someone that we believe we know well and then try to identify some of the gaps in our understanding of that person. And I won't stop us to, to, to undertake that um, uh, exercise, but you might consider it later on sometime when you have some time. Uh, do you really know where they struggle in their relationship with God? or in their understanding of Scripture, okay? Uh, do you know the quality of their marriage or the struggles they experience with their spouse? Uh, if they're single, do you know their experience of uh, uh, long hours alone? Would they see that as a positive thing in their life, or, or would they say these are times of struggle for them? in one way or another. I mean, I think there's a variety of ways that that, that could be for anybody, single or otherwise. Um, if they're parents, would they say that they uh, feel like a failure in that area? Would they be able to identify successes in the area of parenting? Okay. Uh, are they facing uh, disintegrating relationships at work? Okay. What, um, what, what are their relationships in their extended family like? You know, do they get along with their mom and dad, with their brothers and sisters? Um, 
do they have significant sin struggles that drives their life? Do they have significant issues they're dealing with in the area of finances or physically? You know, I think some people suffer physically in ways that are pretty obvious and, and some don't. Uh, that is not, not obvious. Um, there are things we know about each other, but uh, those things fool us into thinking we know the human beings who live within the, the boundaries of those details, okay? Uh, we're, we're co-conspirators in a casual surface relationship. Now, think about this. We don't want to expose the messy parts of our lives, okay? Uh, our relationship with God, our spouse, children, co-workers, the weaknesses of our spiritual life, our struggles with sin and temptation. We're self-protective in that sense. The other person may feel inadequate or incompetent to hear and respond to the messiness of our life. Okay, So we're kind of, as he puts it, co-conspirators in a casual surface relationship. Uh, and I identify with both sides of those things, personally, you know. Um, by the way, I mean, if you think of yourself as incompetent or inadequate in what God calls you to, in body life, where does your adequacy come from and your competence come from? Hmm? God. Okay. Uh, I think there's a, a a verse in, uh, well, there's a couple of passages I can think of that talks about how God builds up the body to do that, to serve one another. Um, he lists some reasons our relationships are stuck in the casual and the surface, besides the things I've already mentioned. Uh, our busyness, we, we kind of make the excuse that there's, there hasn't been an opportunity Okay. We wonder what people would think of us if they really knew us. Uh, we buy the lie that we're unique and struggle in ways that no one else does. Uh, we're tricked by peop, uh, people's public persona, you know, that they're, they've got everything under control. And forgetting that behind closed doors they live real lives just like us. We're reluctant to admit our weaknesses to one another, uh, even to ourselves. okay, let alone to one another. Um, We don't want to face what our struggles reveal about our hearts. Uh, another, Another reason is that we're blind to our own condition and our need, okay? We're, uh, uh, sin is deceitful. We tend to believe our own arguments and excuses. Okay, now the, these these things vary from person to person and from one time to another time, but these are just kind of a jumble of of reasons why our relationships are stuck in the casual. Um, perhaps the simplest reason he says is that no one asks how we're doing. You know, in our spiritual life, in our relationships. It seems intrusive to ask questions that, that can't be answered without self-disclosure. And you'll see as we go through this, that's where, that's where he's taking us. He wants us to ask questions, especially in uh, counseling relationships that require self-disclosure. Okay, Counseling relationships that may be very casual to very you know, formal and structured. However, as Christians, we want to move towards uh, bearing one another's burdens, towards rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep, okay? Uh, In my daily reading, I'm in Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, and I'm finding out why he's called the weeping prophet. Uh, it's not just the book of Lamentations, it's also 
before you get very far into the book of Jeremiah, you know, you know, oh, that my, my eyes were rivers, you know, that I could weep. How does he put it? Um, at any rate, I'm, I'm not going to dwell too long on that, but he's, he's weeping for his people and he's almost alone. Okay. He's alone with this because the nation has rebelled, okay? And he goes through, what is it, 52 chapters bearing this burden, okay, without, without much relief. And you'll notice in Galatians 6 where this business of bearing one another's burdens is mentioned. You'll notice it starts out a couple of ver- a verse before Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Now, I, I want to qualify something here. I, I, I suspect <laughs> that when he says you who are spiritual, he's not talking about some kind of hierarchy of spirituality. Um, I, I, I suspect that what he perhaps means more is that in this thing... This person needs help outside of himself, spiritual help. And because you are not in that thing like he is, you can, you can provide that help, You're, you, you who are spiritual. This person is spiritual, but he's, he's, another, he's a fellow Christian, but he's in a situation that he needs help with, Okay. Uh, restore him in a spirit of gentleness, okay? And then he goes on to say, bear one another's burdens. Um, We come to a section, let's see, I don't know if I've got this. I I don't think I put a lot of stuff on the, uh, yeah, we're not there quite yet. Um, I, don't, I didn't put a lot of stuff on PowerPoint because, again, I felt these lists were kind of overwhelming. I'd like you to just hear the list, grab one or two things, and, and think about it. Take it with you. Um, in this section, there's a section that, uh, called Christ the Data Gatherer. Uh, and in this section, Tripp uses Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, which is that one right there. Uh, he says some things in this section, including the title of the section, Christ the Data Gatherer, that uh, I feel compelled to uh, qualify uh, because at minimum they imply some things about Christ that are misleading. Okay, uh, And, and uh, I want to handle carefully the teaching of Christ in this, the teaching about Christ, especially the profound mystery, okay, of his incarnation, what it was like for him to live as a man, okay? Uh, So I I may be kind of, this is a great passage, and he does a lot of good things with it, but I may be kind of moving uh, uh, slightly out of his current on this. Uh, but I don't want to get bogged down in that because the passage is is quite valuable to our daily lives and our ministry to one another. Okay. Okay. Uh, Hebrews four, fourteen to sixteen. You can turn there. You can read it off of here. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Um, The business about passing through the heavens... uh, that's reflect, I believe what he means there is, is reflected at least in three places in Hebrews. Uh, and I'll just draw one out for you and read it. Uh, I mean, there's, there's Hebrews 1, 3, which I think says a similar thing. 
Hebrews 8, 1 to 6, that, that say something similar. Here in 924, um, 9, yes, 924, for Christ has entered, this is post-ascension, okay, Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Okay? So I think that's what he means by pass through the heavens. Uh, what's implied by this passage is that Christ's temptations al- allow no one to claim that he does not sympathize fully with our weaknesses. Okay? The word sympathize. This same Greek word is translated over in Hebrews 10.34 as compassion. Uh, And you may remember you had compassion on those who were in prison. And that calls to mind all kinds of things about what, what possible things could person do who has compassion on someone in prison. What practical things. Well, Paul says, you came and visited me. Okay, well that's one thing. And that's a very bold thing in times when of uh, persecution. Okay. Um, but the word is translated there as compassion, suffering with, uh, moved by what has moved someone else, is how, the, how Tripp puts it. The meaning is more like compassion leading to desire to help, leading to helping. Okay? Um, and of course, Christ, Christ has the, the capacity to do that in a complete way. We'll see here in a moment more. Uh, but, but, but Tripp is suggesting we also have that calling. Weakness. Uh, this is a weakness inherent in the frailty of humanity, humanity especially fallen humanity, okay? in susceptibility to temptation. So he sympathized with our weaknesses. The throne of grace, okay? Uh, I I think about the different thrones we see in Scripture, okay? And I think the opposite of this one is um, what we see in Esther uh, uh, 4, chapter 4. The throne of Ahasuerus, okay? Now, Esther's the queen, okay? Uh, but she does, doesn't feel like that she can just go into the presence of the king without an invitation because that would mean execution, okay? That's not a throne of grace, <laughs> let me tell you, okay? Um, uh, there's other passages. Uh, Matthew 25, at the uh, 31 and following, it's the separation of the the goats from the sheep, the blessed from the cursed, okay? Uh, You find this throne is both a throne of grace and a throne of judgment, okay, at the same time. If you get over into Revelation 20, 21, 22, uh, which begins in chapter 20 with uh, the great white throne, okay, you'll find that this is a throne of judgment, final judgment, uh, horrible, terrible consequences, and a throne of grace. Okay? Uh, God, uh, the throne of grace part of it is that God is forever with his people. Now, again, contrast this with the throne of Ahasuerus. As, I'm not pronouncing that right. Just, let's just go on. Okay. Uh, that, this, is, this is a throne where God is forever with his people, okay? He promised it. This is the fulfillment of it in Revelation 21 especially. Um, The river of the water of life is flowing from this throne, okay? It's amazing. It, It results in mercy and grace to help in time of need. Another passage that's related, I think, is, is in 1 Peter 5, 
humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at, that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Okay, this is this brief little statement, part of a sentence, okay, it is an invitation, a command even, if you will, to cast your anxiety, cast, just, and, and the, the, this is difficult, I know. <laughs> I know from personal experience that obeying this, casting your anxieties on Christ. But, but with practice, <laughs> you know, and you have plenty of opportunity to practice because there's anxieties that pop up all the time. Uh, you, you cast your anxieties on him. He's able to bear them, and he cares for you. Okay. In light of these passages, we're compelled to pause for a moment and acknowledge something. Whatever conclusions we can legitimately draw from uh, these passages regarding our own personal ministry to one another, it should be abundantly clear that our personal ministry to one another is no substitute for Christ's ministry to each other. And nor should it be allowed to get in the way of that, okay? Please constantly go to that throne of grace for yourself, for those you love, okay? And consistently send one another to that throne of grace, okay? That's what, that, I think that's why, he, why the writer of Hebrews put this in here and why God put this in here so that we would go. Uh, but, however, since Christ is our model for personal ministry, and this is a quote from him, we too want to understand people so that we can serve them in their lives. We too must be committed to entering their worlds. Uh, we can begin by taking the time to ask good questions, listen well, both of which I find very difficult. Uh, Roxanne would say I particularly find difficult the listening well part, listening at all, hearing anything. Uh, our hope is that others would seek us out and share more of their, their true struggles so that they may find through us the Lord himself. And that's been repeated uh, in previous, previous lessons, chapters. Enter a person's world to uh, entering a person's world enables us to apply the truths of the gospel in a way that's situation and person specific. Uh, that's, that's something he's trying to drive home too here is that we have these general things we know about one another from scripture, but we want to apply them specifically to their situation and who they are. Um, and I got to buzz, I think I have to buzz through uh, the, uh, a good part of the rest of this, but let's see here. Um, there, there's the Peter passage. Um, the problem of assumptions. Uh, assumptions. Jumping from hearing without really listening to solutions without personal knowledge. Leading to misunderstandings invalid conclusions, and ultimately to misapplication. You can kind of see how that might happen. If we, if we think we know something about someone and we, we kind of interrupt the flow of the, their conversation, their telling, to, to head off down to, here's the solution, here's the application, okay? Uh, reasons when we, don't, when we assume, we don't ask. Uh, reasons we might assume too much. A couple of reasons. Theological. This was this. You kind of have to parse through this one very carefully. When everything is at its best, we come equipped with a theology of Scripture. Each one of us do, and this is really a good thing. I mean, we have we have to to apply ourselves in this area, uh, knowing a per, knowing people from the perspective of Scripture, okay? 
God's word is living and active, a sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's what, he, what he's been asking us to do is figure out how to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Um, and scripture is a great tool for that. Scripture knows us, depicting our sorrows and joys. If you know your Bible, you will know and understand people to a degree. However, knowing fundamental things about people in general should not be confused with knowing the particular individuals God has sent your way. Okay? Uh, We need to remember that God is not only the creator of every person and the revealer of who they are in Scripture, but He's also sovereign over every detail of their lives. we must seek to know one another in, in a way that recognizes God both as their creator, universal truths about humans, and as our sovereign Lord, the unique and individual details. Okay? Without asking questions, we can't know the person's heart. Uh, we can't know where God has them in his plan for sanctifying them. I think we talked about that before, too. Uh, Every person in here is is different in the respect of where God has them in their sanctification, okay? And and again, that's not not to raise some kind of hierarchy of spirituality. It's just to point out that in this way or that way, uh, God has brought us thus far. Here I raise my Ebenezer. I love that line. Okay, he's brought us that thus far. Okay, uh, and we don't know where that's at, where each person is at. Another reason, so that's the theological reason. We bring a theology, uh, and, and, and at, at its best, it's a good theology, but we don't know the particulars of the individual. Uh, another reason, our experience. <clears throat> We assume without thinking about it much that commonalities of language, uh, culture, uh, shared experiences, life in the same community, in the same church, uh, gives us more knowledge about one another than it really does. Uh, We confuse uh, similar experience with identical experience. Okay, so we still need to listen. Ask and listen. Uh, you, can, you, you can check this out by just thinking about you know, picking out common relational words, family, father or mother, uh, etc. Each of us have different definitions of those things, partly because our, our, um, our backgrounds are different, okay? Or we're at different points in our lives. There will come a time, there'll come a point over and over again where we speak the truth in love. That's where we're headed with chapters 11 and 12. But we can only do that more accurately as we know know the person. Uh, Make sure your conclusions are correct. This is another section. He he wants us to make make a habit of, of doing, he calls it doing, three things. It's asking three kinds of questions, to fill in the ignorance of our assumptions without knowledge of the person. Always ask people to define their terms. Uh, they have a, each person kind of has a personal dictionary, you know. They, they use a word that's a code word for, for this set of ideas. Again, father, mother, you can see how that would vary differently depending on our experience with our father and our mother, what life is like in a family, you know. Um, so ask them to define what they mean by that. Uh, you may be surprised. Always ask people to clear this is number two. I always ask people to clarify what they mean with concrete, real-life examples of the terms they've used. Walk me through it step by step. What happened? What happens in this example? Number three, ask people, always ask people to explain <clears throat> why they responded as they did <clears throat> in the examples. 
they've given. Uh, it gets to the heart behind the behavior. <clears throat> Ask them to share their reasons, values, purposes, and desires. Now, that what, what, what this does is it, it causes them to step back a moment, <clears throat> unless they just rush ahead, uh, and, and evaluate what was behind what they said, the choices they made, and the things they did. You ask these kind of questions over and over again in the relationship. Uh, this helps us to avoid broadcasting like seed across a field, the principles of God's word, but instead to use the word with focused specificity. I can't even say it, specificity. Okay, focused on their, their situation and their person helping them to understand their resources in Christ uh, to face these things. Um, The importance of asking good questions. Um, People are asking themselves questions, uh, and they're asking why questions. Okay. Uh, Why why did God allow this? Okay. Okay. as a way of making sense of their life, interpreting life, remember God made us interpreters. Uh, they're answering these questions, and people around them are answering, giving them answers to these questions. Uh, the answers given will kind of profoundly shape their direction of their life and how they respond to these things. So it's important to understand that when you bring, as we said before, well-constructed, creative, biblical uh, biblically shaped questions to a person's life, you're doing more than getting to know them. You're, in fact, ministering to that person. Um, some questions uh, may help them see themselves more accurately, uh, begin to see how Scripture explains their life. They may bring conviction to their heart and, and, and repentance over things that need repentance. Don't, don't, don't underestimate the, the value of these things. Don't underestimate the value of repentance. It's, it's, it's a shift. It may be a small shift, but it's a shift from where they were. Okay, that's very important. See that the Bible really does speak to the deepest issues of their their experiences in their life, and and he he kind of he has a, a points all along there that that suggest this. But even in asking questions, we can function as Messiah, the Messiah's ambassadors, incarnating him before others. You'll notice here in this section the note, uh, the the shift from asking questions in order to know to asking questions as a means of ministry. He's helping that person to see themselves from God's perspective. Um, four principles to, to know what is a good question and what is not. Um, ask open-ended questions. I'm sure that's not new, a new thing to you. You, you. If you want to really know something, you don't ask a question where a person says yes, no, or great. <laughs> okay. Um, Ask questions that can't be answered without self-disclosure of what they're thinking, what they want, what they're doing. Uh, Let me give you just a few examples from his list. It it happens to be examples that have to do with marriage. Um, Here's the first one. What things did you see in this person that made you want to marry him? Now, depending on the situation, it's like, I forgot why I wanted to marry him, okay? <laughs> All of this happened, and I don't care anymore, okay? Um, but, but at the other end, I mean, think, think about what variety, variety of answers to these questions that you can think of. They, they can be all over the scale, you know? Uh, a, a person may, uh, a, a husband may think, 
oh, I, I wanted to marry her because I knew she was a godly woman. She, uh, other people testified that she's a godly woman. Uh, I see this in scripture in her life. I saw it, uh, okay. Um, or it, it could be like I said a moment ago, you know, that's all water under the bridge. I don't care anymore, okay. Um, so you can see there can be a variety of answers to those. And you want to hear what they have to say about that. Another question, describe how you as a couple resolve conflicts. Well, okay, uh, I'm not a very thoughtful person, and so I can't tell you how we resolve conflicts. We just go at it until one of us gives in, okay, you know. I mean, that may be one answer, okay. Or a person may think, okay, and I, I have at least one child, I think probably two, that in, in marriages that they're very, I can see just from watching their married life that they're very thoughtful about how they interact with one another. And when they see these differences, you know, uh, they've developed habits that help them uh, uh, resolve conflict and issues. I'm thankful for that. Um, what do you think God is doing your, in your marriage right now? Again, you can see the variety of things that could be, answers that could be given to that. And so on. Okay, there, there's, a, I don't know how many there are. Must be 20 plus questions there. They're, they're just examples um, the point is to ask questions that require the person to examine their self, answer in a self-disclosing manner. Okay. Um, ask a combination of survey and focused questions. Um, now, th- this. Um, uh, let me just give you an idea of what he's getting at here. Okay. Think of, for survey questions, think of this, listen to this list, okay, and tell me, be thinking about what's the commonality behind this, between, behind each of these things, what's the common thing, okay? Viewing pornography, inordinate debt, gossip. Explosive anger, overeating, I've started preaching now, meddling, viewing pornography, inordinate debt, gossip, explosive anger, overeating. What's the commonality behind those things? What's, let me put it another way. What's the missing fruit of the Spirit behind all of those things? Self-control is at least one. I mean, there's probably others, too. These, uh, the, this asking survey questions, it, it, things that seem superficially different may actually be part of a larger theme of thought and motive and behavior, okay? Asking questions in various areas of a person's life. So when someone comes to you in one area with an issue in one area, take some time to ask questions about other areas, and you may see some common themes that uh, pop to the surface. Focused questions look intensively into one area of a person's life in order to uncover roots and causes of behavior and issues. Okay, the next one is remember that certain kinds of questions reveal certain kinds of information. Uh, I'm not going to pause too long on that, but it's uh, classes of questions, what reveals most basic general information, how, the way something is done, why, and covers purposes, desires, motivations, getting more to the heart, how often and where, you know, you want to you know where, what's the scale of this issue. So does it happen every night at supper? You know, um, When? 
okay, these broaden and deepen understanding of what took place, how the person interacted with it, what they did in response to it. But the last one, ask a progressive line of questions in each question, uh, each which, in which each question is based on information and covered in the previous questions. Uh, you can kind of see the order of the, those things from the previous uh, point. You're seeking to fill in the gaps in your knowledge. What do I not know about what I've heard? Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, now, keep, keep in mind that, again, he's, he's trying to help us with, area, with situations where someone has come to us. Or, like you said, someone needs to go into, uh, the church needs to go into a person's life. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. well, again, I mean, put, put this back into the semi-formal counseling situation. And I think that's, let me, let me uh, both of these things that you've, you two have said brings me really to the end of this thing where, where I've kind of stepped away from the book. I want to. I want to uh, help us think about for a moment what are some ways of moving beneath the surface of the lives of God those God has put in our way, okay, into our life. Moving uh, beneath the surface of the lives of others in our ordinary life. Uh, And again, I'm kind of going back to the video that we saw at the start, just the two questions that are part of kind of ordinary life. Uh, recognize that this must be mutual. It may require you to take the initiative, but it, it will require the same openness on your part in return. Uh, again, it's like he said, you kind of have to know the person. You have to have some foundation of trust and, and relationship to, to do this. Um, consider first those in your immediate circle spouse, children, parents, the best friends, okay? Find times and ways to ask what they consider good about their lives, their circumstances, what they've experienced this week, and also what they consider the hardest things of their life that they face this week. Listen deeply to their expressions of joys, of sorrows, uh, frustrations of confidence, you know. Ask one or two questions about those things, questions that express identification with these expressions. We saw that, I think, in the last couple of uh, chapters. Uh, Questions that seek to discover how they feel about those things, how these things have impacted their lives, okay? Um, I, I don't... I mean, I kind of see at one level this is beyond this is beyond my capability at the moment, but it's not so far beyond the capability that I can't you know if god wants if God wants us to be his goal for us is way over here then then I'm kind of hoping that some of these things moves us from here to here, and that I can do something this week to move myself from here to here, okay um Personal ministry is not preaching to a very small congregation. It's the careful ministry of Christ and his word to the struggles of heart that have been uncovered by good questions from a committed friend. Okay, this is a conversation over a very long extended period. Look up on the CCEF site the the conversion story of Paulson. It's very good, and it's two friends, friends who first met when they were non-Christians, first year Harvard, okay? It's a great, great story. It's over a long, extended period, and this video is at the end of that life, the end of Pallison's life.
we want for ourselves and for others that we would increasingly see ourselves and others in the light of God's holiness, his grace, and his truth. Okay? I, that's a repeat from an earlier class. Make it quick, Dick. Uh, Stephen was first Neutral or maybe somebody who's kind of pick 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 somebody you butt heads with once in a while. <laughs> well, yes, and I, I would suggest that you want you want to bring them to Christ and you want to bring them to the, His Word. Okay, and uh, and. We, we need to, uh, the kids are clamoring, climbing the tree of, of our, our teachers. Let's uh, close. Thanks.